Coming up on today is a Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent Con by LaShawn Daniels. We talk about the Iowa running game. What can be done to help out that running game, take a step forward, and zone blocking and the cut blocking that goes along with it. Kirk Ferris talked about it in his press conference. We'll get LaShawn's perspective of what's happening inside that ground game. We'll preview the Rutgers matchup, and we will make our picks this week presented by Bet Online. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. He's LaShawn Daniels. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day, available wherever you get podcasts. And you can also see us on YouTube. Just search Locked On Hawkeyes and make sure to hit that subscribe button while you're there. LaShawn, back at it here on a Friday. You got high school football. I got high school football tonight on the radio side of things. Fired up for it. You'll be on the sidelines and a little bit chillier there in Chicago. We're certainly feeling it here in central Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went out to practice yesterday and I had to make sure like I had on a hoodie. Like as it started yeah. getting like later, I'm like, we're already in that time of the year, right? We're officially now in the fall. So it's that, that time of the year where, uh, you know, you gotta be bundled up a little bit as a coach and you know, the hits start feeling a little bit more like hits. <laughs> so Absolutely. it's exciting. It is good time. Certainly a football season as we're really into Big Ten play starting here in full board this week. A couple of non-conference games still out there, but we're going to see a bunch of Big Ten matchups this week. We're going to get into a couple of those games later on when we make our picks. Minnesota, Michigan State, I think that has a chance to be a real fun one. And of course, Ohio State, they welcome in Wisconsin. We'll make those picks a little bit later on, but I want to start today, LaShawn, talking about the Iowa ground game. It's always a big part of our conversation. You being a former Hawkeye running back, your brother obviously playing offensive line, just your background in football. So you just know the running game so well and what Iowa tries to do with the zone blocking scheme. So where I want to go first with you is, again, during the press conference this week, Kirk Ferentz talked about you know, cut blocking. You can't do it the same way. He thinks everybody just wants you to throw the ball all the time. You can't play that old school football like you once did. So I want to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and, and talk about what I was trying to accomplish in the ground game and with the zone blocking scheme. So I want to start first with the cut blocking. Explain to our viewers and to our listeners a little bit when you're talking about a zone scheme, why it is so important for these offensive linemen, tight ends to be able to cut and, and anymore with the rule change that happened now five years ago, why they can't do that anymore. Yeah. So the main reason why it's been implemented is because of safety, right? Obviously, anytime you got guys coming in at ankles or knees or things like that, right? There's a there's a big safety aspect of the game, right? So that's part of the reason why that rule is implemented. I mean, I even felt that rule happen because when we played Rutgers in 2016, like mm -hmm. first play of the second half, uh ripped off a 75-yard touchdown run that got called back because O'Lyman made a cut block on the interior uh, part of the of the line, right? Um, well, it wasn't really interior, right? We were running an outside zone mm -hmm. and technically cut the DN, right? So 
Uh, the main reason for that stuff, though, is because of safety, right? They don't want guys uh, going low, especially like within the piles and all these different things. So that's the big piece of why those rules got implemented. But it does suck from, you know, a running game uh, point of view, because especially in the zone zone scheme, because when you look at a zone scheme, especially on, you know, when we're running slant plays or outside zones, right? Uh, as offensive line, like we're trying to get the defense running, right? We want to get them running and we want to reach their outside shoulders, right? And when you're not at the point of attack and you're on the backside of, of that blocking scheme, your main objective is just to make sure you're either A, you're cutting off a DN, make sure that they don't fight over the top um, and squeeze everything down to make, you know, those cutback lanes smaller or they're running and trying to get linebackers to get in front. So with the, the rule of not being able to, to cut block, right, it makes it much easier for the DN to then squeeze that uh squeeze those running lanes. So as a running back, like when I stick my foot in the ground, like most of the time you're going to have to break through an arm tackle, but now it's going to be a much more uh, tougher task, right? Because it's hard for offensive linemen to offensive linemen to restrict uh, defensive guys from trying to fight over top, right? Because those guys are being taught all the time, like fight over the top of blocks, right? Don't just uh, let yourself get sealed off. So it makes that piece of it much easier and makes the play happen much slower, right? Because now that guy's not on the ground from being cut. And uh, it just basically makes the those holes in the outside zones a lot smaller, right? You don't, you don't really cut as much in the inside run, inside zone running scheme. Uh, it still does happen, uh, but it doesn't really happen as much. And it's less of a factor on it. But yeah, definitely on the outside zone plays, the backside cuts and not being able to do that is very, very unfortunate for for us um, as a whole and for the running scheme because it does make it a lot more difficult on the offensive linemen to, to block those backside guys as well as the amount of spaces of running back that you're going to get in those holes. So cutbacks, you know, I, I think of you playing. I think of the guys in those cutback lanes and a lot of the big plays that come out there. Any more now that you can't cut? that outside linebacker, that defensive line. Your zone blocking, we've talked before, you have to have those guys working together and continuity and everybody being together, your five offensive linemen, your tight ends. Everybody's got to be working together. When you're not able to do that as a running back, how much more difficult is it to run in a zone blocking scheme knowing that that backside cut probably not going to be there very much anymore? Yeah, uh, it definitely makes it so you you definitely have to trust your rules like a lot more, right? So as a running back, right, depending on if we're calling an inside zone, right, inside zone plays, you're running back, you're reading the first down lineman uh, play side, right? Most of the time, that's going to be either the one technique or the three technique. And an outside zone, right, you're reading the person that the tight end is blocking, mm-hmm. right? So, obviously, if they get them sealed, you take it outside. If they can't, right, you cut it with um, inside of them. Right. So with that, right. And knowing that you really have to trust your rules a bunch, a bunch more. Right. You can't you're not going to get away every time with right. Making a crazy cutback. Right. Just because of that feeling. Right. Because those guys now have the ability to compress that hole much, much tighter. Right. And it's less a lot less freedom as a back um, to be able to take a play all the way backside. Right. Without there being like a complete 
uh, bust by the defense, um, especially like when the zone running schemes, because like you're not necessarily running to a hole as you are in a lot of other other schemes and plays, right? Like a lot of teams, there are a bunch of teams that run a lot of gap schemes um, in their offense and gap schemes. A lot of times are a lot of times are fast hitting plays and the hole that is called most of the time, the play is going to hit in that hole, right? With zone running schemes. Yeah. You kind of, like you call a play to a side, but it's never ever like most of the time it doesn't always hit in that exact same spot. Right. Because Mm -hmm. of, how the defense plays it and you know where your reads take you. So yeah, it does make it a little tougher um, as a running back uh, to, to create those explosive plays because the cutback's not there as much, but um, there's still plenty, plenty of opportunities. And when you get that opportunity and you see it, right, you got to take it and run with it because it probably won't happen as, as often as they've happened in the past. Well, we saw some good moments, certainly, out of Caleb Johnson in those two long touchdown runs. Talked about him a little bit earlier in the week. He can go back and check out that podcast from Tuesday as we broke things down. We're going to talk about the matchup against Rutgers. This offensive line is going to have to take a big step forward this week. A very talented Rutgers defensive front, the defense as a whole, playing at a very high level right now. We'll do that as we continue here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Well, get ready for football weekend, and you can do it with our friends at Underdog Fantasy. This episode brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. Getting started and watching your favorite team play, be it the Hawkeyes, or if you're just looking around and looking at the Big Ten slate or the National slate, they have you covered right now. Pick them this weekend. What you like? You like quarterback play? You can certainly go over that. Uh, Taking a look at some of the numbers this weekend. North Carolina quarterback Drake May, he's been incredible against Notre Dame this week, higher than 254.5 yards passing. You can take on the other side, Drew Pine, who's taken over at Notre Dame, lower than 217. You put it all together, and that is how you make things for the weekend with underdog fantasy. Easy to play, available in over 30 states right now. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just yours, and decide how they'll finish higher or lower in yardage totals. One of the easiest fantasy games out there to play, and you can win hard, cold cash in a single game. Sign up right now with the promo code Locked On. All one word, Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100. Get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Again, Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. All one word locked on. Get in on college football pick'em action today. All right, LaShawn, let's turn our attention over to the Scarlet Knights. We talked about your senior year, the 2016 game, a 30-nothing whitewashing, but the big story in that game was the punter who is still around there at Rutgers. He had a heck of a performance. He pinned you guys deep throughout that one. Uh, certainly a big, big uh, time punter. It's a battle of punters here. Tory Taylor, obviously, on our side. Uh, field position, going to be very, very important. One of the craziest stats, though, that I read this week, he, he has not punted the ball into the end zone now in something like 130 straight punts. A guy that's pinning people deep yet, he doesn't put it in the end zone. We think Tory's good. Uh, it might make, be another level as we're going to see on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, both teams have obviously incredible punters. Uh, Rutgers putter is fantastic, right? Um, again, All-American guy, right? Last year, 
really, really good at helping Rutgers uh, win the field position battle, right? Because, I mean, over the past years, right, they punt quite a, quite a bit, right? Um, so he's obviously in a very, very important asset to their team um, and is going to do a great job as he continues to do um, his entire career there. So it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, matchup between each team. And um, honestly, it could end up coming down to who ends up ends up punting better, right, to give their team um, better field position so, uh, you know, some points can be scored, right, because someone's going to have to win the game unless, obviously, one of the defenses steps up and creates a score there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, both both punters are fantastic, right? This is probably going to be the best punter matchup, right, if you're really, really into that thing that you can probably get um, in a long while. So it'll be inter- – interesting in that aspect i'm not going to say it's, it's going to be entertaining right. but it'll definitely be interesting <laughs> yeah adam corsack for rutgers i mentioned some of those numbers has not hit a touchback since 2019 he can angle punts he can punt it high he has never had a punt blocked also this got to be kind of fun though for lavar woods and the rest of that special teams unit something that has really built and developed throughout the year since lavar's taken over at special teams is the guys that want to be out there you look at you got jack campbell out there you got riley moss these starters that normally don't play special teams they want to be out there and help and know the importance of it for the way that iowa plays here but lavar we've seen a lot of fun kind of plays that they've done the gadget play the play against ohio state you know with it with guys all over the place they what did a, a wild end around thing against Minnesota a couple of years back? Lavar, you think he's scheming a little bit, saying, "Boy, this guy is so good." Do you think we can find just a, a little crack in the armor here that we can go after him and maybe get that first pump lock ever? You're saying, "Hey, this guy's too good. Let's just set up a return and hope for the best." Um, honestly, there, I I know Lavar, Coach Woods definitely likes to come after punters a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, see, we 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 block a bunch of punts. Here at Iowa, right? I mean, it's one of the, the things that we do best uh, as far as our special teams goes. So, um, obviously, this kid hasn't had a pump block, right? So, it's not going to be the easiest task in the world to to accomplish. But I'm sure, I'm sure that Lavar Coach Woods is going to come up with something, right? Any little thing to get, even if it's just the smallest piece of advantage, right? to possibly get a pump blocked or even set up return. I think it's going to depend upon the situation uh, that we're in, right? Whether, you know, we have them backed up, right? Or, uh, you know, they're in the regular regular part of the field or, you know, they're on the their plus side of the field, right? So it's going to really depend upon the situation that, is, that I was going to be dealing with on if they set up a return or come after them. But I'm sure... I'm sure they would love to get a punt block off of this kid, right? Because obviously he's never had one blocked, right? So it would probably be a pretty, pretty good feeling, not only for for the special teams unit, but for as a team as a whole, right? Because we know special teams and defense is going to be very, very important on Saturday. So Rutgers has their own set of problems. We've uh, obviously complained a lot about the, the Iowa offense and the struggles that we've seen offensive line, running game, wide receivers, and, of course, the quarterback position. We've kind of talked about all facets of that. They're having their own set of issues. And, you know, you look through, they played three different quarterbacks this year. None of them have been very effective out there. The guy that you remember, he's battling his way back from injury from a year ago. So there's big-time concerns with this Rutgers team themselves offensively. And, of course, they're going up against the Iowa defense. I just – 
it, it seems difficult here to anticipate a way that we're going to see this being a high-scoring game. The over-under in the game uh, sits at 33 and a half, 34, a couple of numbers out there right now. It just feels like it's going to be a low-scoring slugfest. But Rutgers has been really good defensively. I mentioned the offensive line. One other thing I want to get into, though, this is the first road game for the team of the season. Sold out, just announced today. Rutgers has sold this out. It's their first night game with people in the stands. They did have one in 2020, but first night game since 2017. And they haven't won a game at home in the Big Ten in 19 tries. Their four wins that they've had uh, in the interim have all come on the road. It's going to be a fired-up crowd. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be loud in there. Difficult environment. What's it like when you're preparing for that first road trip? And for a lot of guys, their first time playing in a road environment like this. Um, for start for me pers- for me personally, I was always excited, right, for the first uh road game because a lot of times like we were gonna be going on the road in a really, really like fun environment. And it looks like Saturday is gonna be no exception, right? I mean, they they sold out the stadium, it's gonna be night game, right? It's the first big ten game of the year for us so it's it, there's going to be some there's going to be some energy and some electricity kind of going around throughout the stadium especially with Rutgers right they're 3-0 they have the opportunity to go 4-0 for the first time since I think like 2012 or something like that probably even sooner later, later than that but uh the environment's going to be excellent right so as a player you're excited for that right you're you're pumped up for it and uh you're you're just like you just really just can't wait till to get to Saturday and get to game day right and uh one thing that we used to do to to practice with this uh and get used to communicating when it's loud is like whether we were in the indoor or we were practicing in connect right or we were at the practice uh fields that we got outside of the indoor um the they would pump up like the speakers and like add like fake kind of crowd noise to kind of get us like adjusted to communicating like while it's being like that loud right so um when you're practicing through that obviously you've got to learn how to communicate you got to learn how to uh focus on doing your job and not you know worrying about what other people are doing right because um a lot of times you're not going to be able to hear each other right so just making sure that you are everyone's kind of on the same page everyone's focused on doing like their job right it's always very very important so whenever we had an opportunity for a road game i was always always very very excited for them and this week is going to be no different they're going to be in a great environment um saturday night and i'm sure everyone's excited i'm excited um and it's just another one of those opportunities that you get as a college football player where you don't get very many of them right so you got to know that, hey, although the environment is cool and all those different things that are going on, right, we're here on a business trip. We're here to win a football game. Um, so let's make sure that we're doing our job. And obviously, we're having fun doing it. Well, LaShawn, we're going to talk about this game and four others, our picks of the week. When we come back on the other side, Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast continues in a moment. All right, LaShawn, finishing up here with our picks for the week as we take a look at what we have going on this weekend. We are going to pick the Iowa game. The Hawkeyes currently an eight-point favorite in their matchup against Rutgers. We'll talk about that game here momentarily. But for other games, let's take a look at the standings. I got a slight lead still over you. I'm up a game, eight and seven against the spread on the year. You're seven and eight. This is anyone's ball game, and we got to figure out exactly what we're playing for here. Uh, maybe a nice steak <laughs> dinner. Or, um, 
couple of beers. We'll, we'll figure it out, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that by the end of the season. But we got a couple of Big Ten games in here, a Big 12 and a Pac-12 matchup. Let's start in Oklahoma. The Sooners they looked great last week. I was on the wrong side of that one. 7 nothing. Nebraska goes up. I say, all right, here we go. Got this one in the bag. And then, oh, was it 42 straight from the Sooners <laughs> after that? And uh, very quickly, that one fell apart. But now Oklahoma back home. They welcome in Kansas State, a K-State team that lost last week to Tulane. 12 and a half's the number. What do you got for us, LaShawn? Uh, yeah, give me Oklahoma. <laughs> give me Oklahoma on that. I mean, um, they've looked great all year. Uh, obviously they're getting into to big to- big 12 play. Um, and frankly, I don't see them really slowing down at all. Right. They looked good on all phases of the game last week. Um, so I see that continuing against, uh, you know, not fantastic Kansas state's team. Yeah, it was ugly last week. Now, one of the things throughout this week, uh, both Kleiman and Martinez has been talking about is he got to take more chances. He is, he's almost uh, like all the turnovers that we saw with him at Nebraska. They've coached him out of him. Now they got to get some of that aggressiveness uh, back. They've matched up very well. They played well. Deuce Vaughn is an absolute stun for K-State. I don't think they're going to win the game, but I think K-State's going to hang around here and play certainly much better than we saw a week ago. So I'm going to grab the Wildcats and those 12 and a half points. We go up to East Lansing next, where Michigan State takes on Minnesota. The Gophers undefeated on the season, the only remaining undefeated team in the Big Ten West. A field goal is the number. Sparty looked brutal last week. They were really, really bad against Washington early on. Made some moves and scored late in the game, but at that point, they're down, what, 29 to 8? I think at one point of the game before they at least made it somewhat respectable on the scoreboard. That's a big 10 team going West though. And we've seen this so many times. Mel Tucker, he, uh, he said he's a horse crap coach and he didn't say crap uh, when he was talking about his coaching from last week. I think this team's going to be ready to go. I need to see more still against Minnesota. It's great beating up on the sisters of the poor, but it's a step up in competition. It's a road trip on top of it. I'm going to grab the field goal. Give me Michigan state. Okay. Okay. So I think we're disagreeing on the first uh-oh, two. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. It's it's tough for Big Ten teams to head out west, uh, right? It's never it's never easy, right? Um, but even in that, even heading out west, right? You would think that Michigan State would have put together a better performance than what they did last week, right? They essentially just got ran out of the building. Right. And obviously they, they score points late, but I mean, by that time, like the game was clearly well out of hand. Um, and Minnesota, on the other hand, although they haven't played anyone, right. Like they haven't played anyone that's really, I don't want to say worth anything, but <laughs> worth anything. Um, they've looked, they've looked great, right. They've been dominant on offense. They've been dominant defensively. Right. And especially kind of looking at some of the players on the roster, right? Like they, like they've got some talent. They've got some guys there that um, are going to make some, some noise this season in the big 10 and possibly even, you know, in the NFL. So I feel like Minnesota is going to be a strong team this year. They're going to be a very, very tough squad to be in the big 10. And with the three point line, like, I feel like that's, that's too close of a line. And I feel like Minnesota is going to be able to take that. Let's stay in the Big Ten. Let's go back to your home state. The Buckeyes, they welcome in Wisconsin. 77 on the board last week against Toledo. 
And this is not a, an awful Mac defense. They're ranked in the top 40 and a lot of metrics going into that game. And the Buckeyes felt like they finally found their groove. Wisconsin limited offensively, though Graham Mertz has shown at least some signs of improvement this year. You know, they're going to be able to run the football against this Buckeye squad. It's a big number. 19. What do you got? Ohio State hosting the Badgers. 19 is a big number. It's a big number. And I feel like it's very, very rare for when these Ohio State Wisconsin games are just outright, just like blowouts, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like Wisconsin is one of the few teams from the West that consistently plays Ohio State tight and very, very well, um, regardless if they're playing at Ohio State or they're in Madison, right? Like Wisconsin does a great job of preparing for them, right? And you know that they're going to be, I see they've had, uh, a bunch of struggles offensively this year. Um, but you know that they're going to continue to get better and better every single week. And I feel like 19 points is such a large line, even with how good Ohio State is and how good they are offensively, right? It's going to be their first, uh, this is the first Big Ten game, but obviously they've played, they've played Notre Dame um, earlier in the year. So they've already played a tough squad, but same thing with Wisconsin, right? They played Washington State. So I feel like, the game is going to be much closer than what this line says. So give me Wisconsin. Going with the Badgers. I'm jumping aboard too. Maybe as a trap, maybe he almost feels that way with that huge number. But I think I've seen enough about Mertz that he can at least stay confident here and confident on the offensive side and get him moving on Wisconsin. When Graham Mertz completes 60% of his passes or more, they're undefeated. But not, well, that's when the losses start to pile up. Let's go to game number four. This one, well, if you have DirecTV like me, unfortunately, you won't be able to see it because that's on Pac-12 Network. So I'll be searching in faraway places to get some kind of stream to watch this game. Oregon State, they're getting six at home against USC. USC has been great this year. The offense is incredible. Caleb Williams has shown why he's a front runner for the Heisman Trophy. Here's the thing. I think there's been a whole lot of turnover luck for the USC. They, against Stanford, two different times Stanford didn't get any points getting inside the five-yard line. They have turned their opponents over 10 times this year and haven't turned it over themselves. I think Oregon State has enough offensively to hang around. Weird things happen in Corvallis at night. I'm going to take the Beavers and the Six. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Oregon State, I mean, they're starting to do some good things, right? They're they're really putting together... Um, really on all the phases right now, um, offensively and defensively, uh, defensively, especially offensively right now. I feel like they're playing playing extremely well. But all that said, see, it's a night game, right? USC's on the road. But I can't go again. I can't. I mean, six points <laughs> is way too close for me to, to rock with Oregon State. I mean, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams have been phenomenal, right? Um Jordan Addison, again, has been phenomenal, right? Like, there's a reason why so much uh, news was was brought on about these guys. Like, when they made this switch to USC, right, they're, they're trying to, you know, obviously get to a national title. And I feel like Oregon State is honestly going to be a bump in the road. I feel like they're going to keep it tight early. But as the game goes on, I feel like USC and their town, they're going to pull away, uh, you know, as we get into the third and all right, so another disagreement. This is a little separation Saturday coming up for us here tomorrow. Wrap things up, obviously, with the Hawkeyes on the road to Rutgers, Iowa. 
favored by eight. Now we're only doing point spreads here. I played the under right away. As soon as the lines came out at Circa on Sunday, that was my first bet I made of the weekend. It was 35 and a half in the opening line down to 33 and a half, 34 at some places, depending on where you're shopping, uh, getting that one out of the way though. I think this thing is slugfest. I think it's low scoring. We talked about the punters. We talked about field position, all those little things, turnovers. Now, unless we get some defensive scores, be it a pick six, a scoop and score, a couple of safeties, whatever it may be, I think it's destined for 13-10 one way or the other. And because of that, I'm going to go grab Rutgers here. I'm going to take the eight points. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you. I mean, again, uh, I know Iowa looked – better offensively last week right but again we obviously know Nevada's not a good team at all right especially defensively right but there were some encouraging things we saw from the Hawks um we saw some explosives created by by Caleb Williams and we saw the Iowa offense trying to push the ball downfield I think obviously they're going to need to be doing um some more of that on Saturday um uh, but with it being the first Big Ten game, we know that a lot of times I would again be coming out a little slow in our first Big Ten game, right? And especially this week against a team that is going to be a lot of field position. Um, it's going to be a true slugfest, seeing you know really which which team doesn't make a mistake first. So that's going to keep it tight for the entire four quarters. So yeah, give me give me those points um, with Rutgers. I'll write three disagreements, and we're on the same side in two games this week. A little separation perhaps coming our way. LaShawn should be a fun one. We will be back with it with it next week. I'll have an instant reaction podcast after this one goes final on Saturday night, and LaShawn and myself will be back with you then uh, on recording on Monday and usually playing on Tuesday with our reaction to what we see. Iowa Rutgers, LaShawn, enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you. Go Hawks.